Few things are harder than the mission of raising your kids. At The Dad Project, we get experienced dads to reveal what's worked for them, offering practical, time-tested advice. Being a successful dad is tough, and we're here to help you get it done. Welcome to The Dad Project. In this episode of The Dad Project, Ashton Ellis shares practical tips for creating a better family life by loving others better. Ashton is a co-founder of The Dad Project. He and his wife have seven children. Have you ever walked through a graveyard and let your eyes rest on the tombstones? What do you see? Well, probably lots of inscriptions. Sometimes we'll see things uh, that people like to do. This guy was a fisherman maybe a hunter. I've been to several where I've seen military service and Eagle Scouts. Oftentimes, you know, you'll see so-and-so was a husband or a father. Well, here's my goal. When I'm gone, my family picks the tombstone out, I'm hoping they'll put at least two words on there. Excellent lover. And I want that to be applicable to all the areas of my life. Certainly my wife, but also my kids, my friends, and my coworkers. I really want it to be something that exemplifies what I tried to do while I was here on earth. And of course, if we're going to love other people, it's got to start at home. It's got to start with our wife. You know, many people who get married set themselves up for disappointment. They think the spouse will fulfill all their desires for love and happiness. Over time, though, such a person realizes that his need for love is infinite, while his spouse's ability to give love is not. The marriage can grow cold. The husband might retreat to his man cave, and the wife to her so-called she-shed. The key is they distract themselves, with great emphasis on work or personal improvement, social media, maybe sports, activism, volunteering, whatever. Eventually, they become separate people with separate lives. The marital bond withers from the inside out. But I want us to consider another model. We can call it learning how to love. You know, many couples are helped by reading books on the love languages and temperaments. Of course, it's helpful to know yourself, but it's even more helpful, fruitful even, to know and understand your wife's love languages and temperament. The better we know our spouse, the more precise we can be in loving her. And in time, I think each of us can become an excellent lover. And wouldn't we be happy if our wife was the first one to put that on our tombstone? You know, one of the biggest insights these books have is how to communicate love in a way the receiver understands. If you've ever been in sales, you know, chocolate bars for fundraisers or something with work, you know, the best argument is the one that persuades your audience. We communicate love with our words, action, touch, time, and gifts. Every person has a different preference and combination, which makes it love, or I should say love, is work of the best kind. It takes attention to detail, perseverance, creativity, and maybe above all, a willingness to fail, sometimes spectacularly. But at all times, a husband should be vigilant and nimble when he practices his craft of love. We can't get lazy. We don't treat love like a formula, robotically doing the same thing over and over. Just because something works once doesn't mean it's going to have the same impact, communicate the same love. 15 times down the road. So I think it can be helpful to engage in what's called active listening and active observation. 
When our wife asks us for something, are we hearing the reason behind the request, even when she can't articulate it? Are we picking up her body language cues? You know, the tired eyes, long sighs, forced smiles, fidgeting hands, short answers. Do we consult our wife if she would like, forget need, but like, a babysitter to make some daily errands? Maybe housekeeping help when she has the kids all day? Maybe she could use more help from us with the kids' homework. Permission slips, going to school events. Have we explored daycare? Do we accompany her to important doctor's appointments? Maybe the question we could ask ourselves right now is, am I interested enough and knowledgeable enough about her medical needs? You know, my wife found out that I was going to record this, and she surveyed her friends for suggestions. In other words, what would you tell your husband if you could on how to love you better? Here are three of my favorites. One, when I'm emotional, just listen, then give me a hug, and then give me a treat. Two, instead of being angry when you see something you don't like, especially when coming home, offer to help or just start helping. I think it can be easy to walk in and, you know, maybe judge the situation a little harshly. You know, kids aren't maybe uh, clean or they need help with something or it's loud and messy. And perhaps we don't appreciate how hard it's been just to get to that point of the day. So instead of complaining about the dishes not being put away or the dinner not being ready or the dog being wet, uh, maybe we could just kind of pitch in and help. And three, you, the husband, don't have to be perfect. Just say you're sorry. Of course, this works with other people too. Think about our kids. You know, when we come into a room and we see the kid not being perfect, do we rush to make a correction or do we try to get the facts of the situation? Do we try to understand maybe where the kid's coming from or what kind of day they've had or why it is that there might be a problem? Just like with our wives, do we offer to help? Do we stop and take a moment to consider, have we seen this before? Kids can read our body language, but can we read theirs? Are we taking the time to understand their cues when they give them to us? One of the best pieces of advice my wife and I received when we had kids who were younger is, look, when you've got a toddler who's angry or kind of acting out of control, there's two things you should always do first. One, see if they're hungry. Two, check to see if they want a nap. And the people telling us this had teenagers, and they said, you know what? Almost all the problems are teenagers, at least the blow-ups, pretty much come down to they're hungry and they're tired. If you get those two things settled, a lot of the fireworks go away. And we've seen that in our own family. But are we taking the time to make sure our kids' needs, or their basic needs, are met and met well. What about our friends? You know, it's too easy to get involved with gossip. It's too easy to impute you know, bad motives to other people when things don't go our way or don't sit right with us when we become aware of them. Are we doing what we can to understand other people, put ourselves in their shoes? This is especially important, I think, with coworkers, managers, employees, colleagues, Oftentimes, email does not communicate the right tone, and oftentimes, things can get blown out of proportion uh, because people are in a hurry, and what may come off as a curt or terse reply is nothing more than someone just trying to get through a lot of tasks in a busy day, but our imagination can work wonders for us, and we can spin a lot of yarns. Are we taking the time to consider where other people are coming from? And even when they're jerks, are we taking time to consider the pressures they might be under? 
Everybody has a snapping point. Maybe they've reached theirs. Are we listening? Are we understanding? And are we communicating in ways the person we want to love, even people outside our family, can experience it? Anytime we deal with people, I think it's important for men especially to communicate a deep respect. If we're uncomfortable with the use of the word love or charity, especially in the workplace or in the wider world, maybe we can call it deep respect. Are we communicating deep respect for everyone we come into contact with, with the way we dress, the way we speak, the way we humbly wait for their opinion, maybe ask a follow-up question, prepare our work for them, prepare the environment before we have a meeting, not waste their time. All these things are ways we can communicate this deep respect or love for other people. And again, the same goes for our family. Are we taking time to prepare what we're going to talk about at the family dinner table? How we're going to bring up certain virtues that we want our kids to grow in? How we're going to try to introduce that in a natural way into the flow of family life, especially on the weekends if we have more time then, or maybe in the evenings? We don't want to be correction machines. We want to be people who form others without them noticing it. And that, I think, is where the love languages and knowing the temperaments, how different ones interact with each other, and how they can effectively communicate to each other is really, really important in today's world. So I want to end with a word about generosity. I think it's a key idea. Every time we think about our rights, we run the risk of going off track. We think about ourself vis-a-vis other people, and we're putting ourselves in first place. So anything that doesn't please us, doesn't help us be better, as we think, can be a source of contention, a source of, um, basically, a source of pride that usually divides people instead of brings them together. So we want to think about generosity, not our wives, not our kids, not our friends, not our coworkers, but ours, pretty much exclusively ours. What are our duties to other people? How do we communicate and live this deep respect for everyone that we're around, especially those that we're around the most? So maybe a good question to ask ourselves is, do I really know how to love my wife in ways she appreciates, in ways that help her flourish? Do I really know how to help and love my kids in ways they appreciate, in ways that help them flourish? Do I really know how to love my boss, my employees, my colleagues? in ways they appreciate, in ways they can understand, in ways that, frankly, help them be the best people they can be. So as we think about this, I think the wonderful testing ground is how husbands treat their wives. If our kids see us loving our wives well, with excellence, they'll grow up to be excellent lovers. They, too, will look at our tombstone and say, my dad was an excellent lover. And they'll know that we did our best to earn that kind of respect because we gave it to other people. It's often said that a man's wife is his pathway to heaven. When she is happy, for him, it's like heaven on earth. So why not make the journey on earth as amazing as the destination? Hey, thanks for listening to The Dad Project. If this talk was valuable to you, please go to our website at dadproject.net and make a voluntary one-time or recurring donation to help support our operations. Any amount helps. Catch you next time at The Dad Project.